boy, this is weird. <laughs> when I go from church to church, if I'm not used to it, I sometimes think, did I say it all? Did I, you know? So, yeah, it's a little bit weird, but glad you're all here. The prophet Amos, I believe, prophesied around in the 6th century, approximately B.C., so that's about 25, 2,600 years ago. And what's he focusing on? Basically, poverty. He says, you folks are complacent. You're, you're not doing what you're supposed to do to take care of the poor and the hungry. And that was embedded in Judaism. You had to take care of those who were poor. Otherwise, you weren't a good Jew. So even back then, they keep talking about, again and again, particularly the widows and the orphan. And it was the responsibility of the people to take care of them. Jesus, in today's uh, reading from the gospel, that would have been, been about 2,000 years ago. And basically, he's saying the same thing. Look what's going on. We've got this horrible poverty. Now, today, 2,000 years later, lots of poverty, terrible poverty. And what's so mind-boggling about it is that today we have much more efficient uh, farming techniques, etc. And I think there was one statistic that said every American, on average, throws away about 25 pounds of food a month. You know, and I, I look at myself, I, I try to be very careful with that, but that's a lot. And we even know that farmers are paid not to produce, and it's all about prices, the economy. And I don't know anything about economics. Anyone here, an economist, who can fill us in on all the, the niceties? <laughs> but I sometimes think, what, what is wrong with this picture? And then I think of what Jesus said a number of weeks ago, in one Sunday's reading, he said, I've come not to bring unity, but disunity, to get things going. And he also said, unless you hate your mother and your father, you can't be my disciple. Well, I mean, what a radical change or, or dichotomy between what Jesus is saying and what the world is doing. And we have that even in heaven and hell. There, there's no connection between heaven and hell. The rich man is in hell. He's never going to see heaven, whereas Lazarus, who suffered, is in heaven. He's there with Abraham. So we have all these dichotomies, paradoxes, and they're very confusing because, especially for us today, we live in a world where we're probably complacent. I think that's fair to say. We take for granted what we have. We don't do a lot of thinking, and, and a lot of people are fearful about their future. Why is that? Well, I would say that if we as a Christian community were really strong, and a real community, no one should fear. No one should be worried about falling into poverty or not having enough food or medical care. And there are organizations, institutions, where people come together to live together in poverty and share everything. I was reading a little bit on the Bruderhof community, which is a Protestant group. They're all over the world, but they live in community. Nobody owns anything. And the doctor comes to them from their community and takes care of them. There's no question of insurance, co-payments. They don't have to worry that if you get sick, they're going to kick you out somewhere. They take care of everybody. And I think that's kind of a model 
of what we're supposed to be. Because if you remember from the Acts of the Apostles, it said that the early disciples were so convinced that what Jesus said was true and they wanted him to come, that they willingly sold all their property, gave it to the apostles so that everybody would have what they needed. So you go from that view and reality to today, and it's kind of like, geez, we really haven't come very far. And one of the things the, the prophets focused on, and Jesus does too, is the focus on justice, that poverty is really a justice issue. And the simple understanding of justice is, if we're truly just, we are going to make sure that every single person has what they need to live a basic, healthy, dignified life. Now, if we look in the world, that's not the case. You know, we, we, we export lots and lots of weapons, and we do export food and other stuff. But can you imagine if we, as just a church, a Christian community, started to do things differently, think things differently, and keep that word justice in our eyesight and say, am I really just or am I complacent? I think complacency is the enemy of justice. Because with complacency, we can say, yeah, I agree with that, and I'll, I'll put $10 in the collection for a particular collection, but is my life a life of justice? Are, do we look at ourselves and think of ourselves more as the rich man, or do we think of ourselves as Lazarus? I suspect none of us really are Lazarus. I think we're more towards the rich man. But again, what does the scripture say? Scripture says the root of all evil is the love of money. And, you know, what do we do? We, we put money away for the future. Uh, we have our, um, our 401ks and we have our bonds and our stocks and everything. And what does that say about our understanding of Christian community even? That we can't count on anybody else, so we've got to do it. So I think that all gets mixed up in these, these readings. And as a Christian community, we should be wrestling with them, not complacent. And, and that means we have to let go of a lot of things, a lot of expectations that we might have for ourselves and the kind of lives we live. But it, not one of us is going to do it alone. I mean, none of you are going to go home and think, okay, blah, blah. What we need is a community that keeps coming together and saying, how can we live more justly? And maybe it's only 25 people, but I suspect that much can go on there in terms of really living more closely to the gospel life that God wants all of us to live. It's tough. It's tough. Nobody wants to even imagine not having enough. And yet, if you go into the city, you'll see plenty of people who don't have enough. Uh, we never used to talk about food insecurity. Have you heard that term? Many people live in food insecurity. I remember a young woman who belonged to our youth group at St. Andrews, and she told how her mother, and this is not unusual, would put a lock on the, the food cabinets so the kids couldn't get in there and eat it all up. Or how they were running their heater on the electricity from downstairs so they wouldn't freeze. You know, I, I never had to deal with that. 
So, you know, I don't know the depth of that poverty, and yet it exists in our own midst. But I think generosity, <clears throat> hospitality, I think that's a key word here. The, the rich man wasn't hospitable. He, he wasn't even, oh, he may have been aware of Lazarus, but he thought, you know, I work to get this. This is mine. I'm going to build up barns, and I'm going to live a happy life, and didn't even give anything to Lazarus. And that's too easy to fall into, I think, especially in our world today, where if anything, you know, the news and the media makes us numb. You know, after a while, it's like, what can I do? And so we kind of retreat into ourselves. And yet this is the time, especially, I would say, in this day and age for Christians to come together and say, what is real justice? And for ourselves to peel away the things that really have nothing to do with justice, but perhaps are all about my preferences, what I like, what makes me comfortable, and say, that's not really important. What do I do to my neighbor? Do I take that second great commandment to love my neighbor as myself? Well, if I did, I would always be practicing the way of justice because I'd be saying, who here, who in the city, who in the world doesn't have what they need? What do I have that I can do without? Or maybe even take from my very need and share it with others. So it's, it's very challenging in our times when we get used to, to things. You know, you can go to Target, you can go to Walmart, you can go to Wegmans. We have all this variety of choice. And sometimes that just makes us more upset because if our one product that we want isn't there, we think we're being denied. Or why did they do that? You know, you know it's crazy. We know it's crazy thinking. Yeah, we kind of get pulled into it. So once again, Jesus is saying, who are you? Are you this rich man? or something like this rich man? Are you complacent? Do you need to be stirred up so that you will, you will change? And do we need to really be stirred up or can we simply take the wisdom of the scriptures and do some good housework in our minds and our hearts? Or are we like Lazarus? Well, again, I don't think we are, but we have many, many, many Lazaruses all over, not just in the city, but in the suburbs. So who are we as a Christian community how do we want to be known corporately? Do people want to know us as this group of people that are always responding generously to whatever they hear as a need, or are we kind of scattered? And again, it comes down to a community. It's not just single individuals coming together once in a while, but really a group of people coming together constantly, all the time, to challenge one another, to go deeper, and to say, to say to one another, if anything happens to you, I will be there. And so-and-so will be there. We will take care of you. And then enlarge that so it includes not only people we know, but people we don't know. Remember Jesus said, when you give a banquet, don't invite your friends, because they can give back what you have given to them. Invite people who are invalids, the poor, be hospitable. So as you go forth, you know, you're gonna, you are going to deal with this. I'm going to be dealing with this. I just, it's mind-boggling, as I say, in this day and age with all the mechanical brilliance that we have and ways of growing things and producing food, that there still is so much poverty. So what are we going to do about it? What can we do about it? Well, we can do a lot. 
It may be little stuff here and there, but as a community, that mushrooms into bigger things because God always blesses the small efforts that we make so that what we think is small, God takes it and multiplies it. So we've got to remember that too. It's not just us coming up with ways of doing X, Y, and Z. We place it before the Lord and say, Lord, bless this so that God can bless it and multiply our puny efforts so they can become big efforts. So again, as you go home, maybe wrestle a little bit with this about complacency, about hospitality. Am I really hospitable? Am I really open to serving those in need? Do I go looking for them, the lost sheep? Or do I rest in my own comfort so that I don't have to be compelled or impelled to do the things that are uncomfortable? Good to be uncomfortable, especially when you're a Christian, because I'm sure Jesus was very, very uncomfortable with all sorts of things, and yet he continued on the way to Golgotha and, of course, to heaven. And we can take that same path. But again, it's up to us each and every day to go back to what began in baptism when we were promised to the Lord to remember that we belong to the Lord and that we can do whatever the Lord wants us to do as long as we are focused on him. So sky's the limit. There's nothing that we really can accomplish without, with God's help. But we have to make that decision each and every day, not just one day, but each and every day, to be generous, hospitable, kind, loving, merciful, and just people. Because that's what we were created to be. And that's what we were created to pronounce and prophesy in the world, just like Amos.